welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Way up there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So that is. So that happened. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, yeah. great stuff coming. Uh, Jesus Noguera, who is yes. from Cuba, from yeah. Havana, Cuba, is yes. here. Let's give Jesus a round yeah. of applause. And let me remind our listeners and people who've listened through all the episodes in the archives, but frankly, about two and a half years worth of episodes there, but one of them. We took the Jerry Springer podcast on the road to Havana, Cuba, and some areas on the outskirts of Havana. And we toured with the help of the Center for Cuban Studies in New York, and uh, Jesus was the tour guide. Yep. Yep. So Jesus is in the, in the United States for the last couple months, touring all over the country. So in a few minutes, we're gonna bring him up, talk about his impressions of America, They've had a devastating hurricane in Cuba, Hurricane oh, Irma. Yeah. We've had a couple that have hurt a lot of people, but Irma was the one that impacted them. We're going to talk about that. Uh, before we do, we, so we come in, we sit down, right, Megan and Jerry, and Megan looks at me and says, hey, Gene, did you get a haircut? And I say, yeah, I get one about every month, month and a half. Yeah, yeah. But we, you and I noticed something. Jerry, I look occasionally like I had a haircut. My hair, my hair shorter than it was last night. We did Correct. an episode last night. Yes. Jerry's hair, Megan, is never shorter. It's no. always exactly the same length. <laughs> and that makes me want to ask on behalf of everybody in the United States, maybe all of the Americas for that matter. All the matter, listening public. To ask Jerry, you, <laughs> Why don't people, we set up a website? <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> And you say they tend to your hair when you're doing shows, which is two days a they week. They bring in my hair for every show. Two or three. <laughs> <laughs> they take it off the top shelf and go. <laughs> Actually, I'm bald. What I do is I uh, let my eyebrows grow long and just comb straight back. That's really gross. That really works, I find. By the way, but we have uh, Chelsea Ford and The Trouble coming up, yeah, too. And they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be great. But they actually do my hair. Uh, yeah, he wants you, to talk about his hair, hair You what? When do you get a haircut? Well, you know, like most people. Every, where do you go to get a haircut? Yeah, you where do you go to get a haircut? It's in Stanford. I usually go, uh, you know, one of the days that I'm having a show. It's a specialty salon, isn't it? It's real frou-frou. Yeah, but, well, first they clear it out because <laughs> we don't want other people Celebrity in there presence. while I'm in there. You know, and security make sure, you know, and, <laughs> Jeez, and they wand the place. And then yeah, I go right. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get a haircut? I get my hair. But how often do you get? Do you get a haircut every once a three week? or four weeks? Do you really? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. surprised. Well, what they do, but that. before every show, well, it's like you know, they put on your makeup because it's television cameras, and they yep. comb your hair, and you know, they want it. I mean, normally I'm like this, you know, just normal hair, like most just people. normal Jerry. But when you're on television, they don't want what do they call them? Flyaways. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, so. Everyone looks like a TV news anchor 
with just okay. that paste the that helmet drives head. me crazy <laughs> yeah. in there. And then they spray and they spray and they spray and I walk out there like bees are going to come. Tell you what, yeah. the trials and tribulations. Oh, that you it's face. not easy. Yeah, it's really hard being a millionaire. It oh, really it is, must you know? be hard. In between <laughs> segments, they're powdering. Yeah. Oh, you don't know what I have to I go don't through. Know. Talk about sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, right. There's poor, poor people. Well, There's I have poor, my own things because corporate. Well, no one does your face. Nobody does. No, no, mine. Surprise, Natural. surprise. Oh, <laughs> he's a delicate little no, flower. No, very- Boy, this is so timely. This is so timely. No, this is, this is exactly why corporate called the other day. Oh, I got a call uh-oh. from corporate. For the love of God. Okay, you, I mean, you're not going to be too pleased about this either, Megan, but corporate is saying, and I agree with them, they said that they believe that our... Uh, panel that would be the three of us uh-huh. that we three need to and they're actually directing us to do this to start work with a staff psychologist <laughs> well there could be a number of reasons for that well, but go uh, on yeah. that may have nothing <laughs> they to do with said <laughs> they said uh gene galvin do you feel comfortable on this this hosting crew and i said i thought for a minute i said actually gene galvin doesn't feel completely comfortable and they said, why? I said, why do you, are you asking? And they said, we've been listening to all, we listen to all the episodes. And it sounds as if you are teased and picked on and bullied I, by Megan and Jerry. I have a question for you. <laughs> yeah. Why are you the only person that hears from corporate? Well, because yeah. I'm the producer. <laughs> That's because what? I'm the producer. Huh. It always ends up you? being yeah. something yeah. about Gene. Okay. Yeah. So we so, don't treat you... Well. They feel that I am being teased and bullied and body shamed. And this body is an example shamed. of it right here. That's an example of what they're talking about. Body That's why I said that's very timely. They will hear this in the archive. And that will be marked down as body shaming. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. So anyway, they they are directing <laughs> well, us so they to want begin us to have a psychiatrist. No, or well, a psychiatrist. only they they want us to only do fifty sessions, one hour in length. Like as a group? Yeah, the three of us. Oh, and crap. working with the Community Psychology Institute from the University of Cincinnati. Huh. It's a panel of professors who have private practices, and they want us to meet with them. And they're going to videotape uh, it, and uh, I don't know. Uh, might I, be used for training purposes. I went to my psychiatrist so. last week, and he told me I'm crazy. And I said, I want a second opinion. He says, Okay, you're, you're <laughs> ugly too. Nope. His jokes are so lame, ass. <laughs> nope. 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 I tell you what, sir. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going back to another one. Two opinions are enough. Let me ask you something. Yeah. <laughs> we walked in here tonight. I yes. swear to God, I saw a guy stop I, you I out on the sidewalk. An older man. Yes. What was that conversation all about? Right out there on the sidewalk coming through the door. What was that I wish all I about? I could do this in Spanish. So <laughs> I'm going to kill you. You're going to kill me, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, you mean the guy with the, yeah, he had a hearing aid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was really bragging about it. He said, this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. Nope. She hasn't nope. been here before. Look at her. Give her a hand. Hey. She's laughing. I love you. Oh. oh. Give her a hug. A free cup of coffee on me. That's how you tell who hasn't been here before. Everyone else was just shaking their head going, yeah. are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Did I tell you a corporate call the I other day? <laughs> hey, no. Hey, listen. 
I don't understand how so the Seven works. So we went, we went to Cuba, and I, I'd we like did. to ask yeah, our friend, trip. my friend, and yes. all of our friends, Jesus, Jesus Nogueira, to come over here, please, come on, yeah, Jesus. Jesus. and have a seat. There you go. He's been on the show before. We've had Jesus on. He has been on the show. We did a, we call it a bit. We did a bit called Ask the Cuban Socialist, and people called in (laughs) and asked questions of Jesus. And uh, to give Jesus an introduction, he is uh, from Cuba, born, raised in Cuba, and has, uh, loves his country. We've had many conversations about it, showed us wonderful things about Cuba, and, and tried and you've cleaned this up if I get this introduction wrong, but tried other times to get a visa to come to America to visit because a lot of his clients in Cuba who he tours are Americans. Things have flexed up in the last couple of years, and he's had probably more Americans that he's able to take around. He always could get out of Cuba to come here, but he had a little... I don't know if you call it trouble, but it took some time to get a visa, and you In finally got a visa. The, uh, it took more than three t- years to come here. Wow. Finally, thanks to the Center for Cuban Studies and Sandra Levinson, who invited me to come, I am here now. Okay, yeah. one is great. <laughs> well, we were anxious to hear, uh, we wanted to talk about a couple things. One, a little bit about Hurricane Irma, because he is talking with his friends and family back in Cuba while he's here, and that happened since you've been here. But uh, you have been around the country, and I know I'm anxious to hear uh, your impressions of places you've been. Did they match what you thought they might be? You've traveled around the world, too. Jesus, how long have you been in the... When did you come to the U.S. this year? I got here on July the 6th. Okay, so you've been here since July. I landed in New York and spent three weeks all around New York. I visited Chicago, New Jersey, Boston, and then with Sandra, I flew to the West Coast, uh, Mm -hmm. L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Minneapolis, Colorado. You've seen more of the U.S. than most U.S. Yeah. citizens. Have. I'm a traveler. You should do some tourism in your country. Yeah. And he speaks cool. better English than Donald Trump. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, what are your impressions of the United My States? My impressions are very positive. I have um, so many good stories to tell you. What, take a whole year to tell you about it. Yes. In any case, it's very positive. People are very welcoming, very helpful, uh, gracious, and um, I didn't expect uh, otherwise. I, it's Can we tell people that you have, uh, gosh, I'm going to say it, and then once I've said it, you can't take it back, but you have a Facebook page like many of us do. I do. Mm-hmm. And are you open to having people, a friend, request you if they sure, would like to? Sure, of okay. course. Because here's why I bring that up. I am a Facebook friend of yours, yep. and you're staying in my home tonight. We're going to have a gathering after this for Thank you. Thank you. So we're all friends. <laughs> Which is and we really enjoyed our time with you. I speak for all Make of us. Absolutely. Time, by the way. <laughs> uh, he's such a, just a cool guy. And we had that, a great time. Probably that's the first good thing if you're a tour guide is people want to hang out with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, but because we're Facebook friends, I follow you in Cuba. Yeah. I have followed you in these two months that you've been here mm-hmm. in the United States. And others might want to uh, friend you and get to know you that way. Mm-hmm. So to do that, it's Jesus J Nogera, N O G U E R A. Okay, and uh, there it is. So if they friend requests Jesus Nogera, then uh, 
he'll likely say yes, and then they can uh, learn more yeah. about Cuba just through your Facebook page. I'd be happy. Now, you can unfriend him. He's a cool guy. And you don't have to be friends with Gene to be yeah. friends with Jesus is the yeah. most important thing. You can yeah, just be friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Gene. Now, I hear you. Yeah. Well, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. If there was a surprise for you in terms of what you were thinking America would be like, and it turned out it wasn't, either good or bad, what would you say was the biggest surprise to you now that you've traveled around for two, two Well, months? my biggest surprise, maybe it's not the American people, but some friends in the United States yes. that were with me years ago, and they are living now in the United States. Oh, and from, I'm so from Cuba. From Cuba, from yeah, Cuba. Cuban friends. So yeah. you are now here in the United States. And you have in your travels in the United States... Uh, hooked up with them and talked to them. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm reconnecting yeah. with friends from Cuba, from the United States. And to my surprise, people that I met uh, and I know for 20, 30, 40 years uh, who are living now in the United States, Cuban-born people, are totally different. They have changed a lot. Interesting. And How? How so? Yeah. yeah what they, do you notice? They don't think the same way they did before. They sold out, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit skeptical about Cubans uh, really? coming to the United States from Cuba again. No, I don't want that because it could be bad for me. And um, the price of gas could rise up. And also, uh, it would be hard to find a new house and buy a new car. Oh, oh you like mean that. they're hesitant about going back to Cuba because they think it would be more expensive there or tougher, life would be tougher? Not all, or have it backwards. What I'm saying is that people who came from Cuba to yes. live in the United States. Yes. Now, they are not happy, or at least they don't like the idea that other Cubans are coming. More Cubans. They don't want more. There. That's oh. great. They want to kind of have this That is themselves. very surprising that, to that, me. I didn't expect that at all oh, yeah. from yeah. my own people. That's interesting. Hmm. So how do you like Trump? <laughs> yeah. Um, that is a very interesting question. And you... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially in this situation. Yeah. Sure. Uh, for another week, you're allowed to say what you want. The, the final clampdown hasn't happened yet. So I could you tell you what, what you I would like um, Trump to do. Uh, I mean, we all know he's going to Miami um, very soon. And, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Uh, Puerto Rico, but he's going to Miami to talk about Cuba. Mm. Ah. And um, the fact that he's going to Miami um, makes me think that uh, he's going to um, keep the uh, old policy, the one that was uh, totally defeated for more than 50 years. Of sure, operation. more uh, restrictive, restricting Yeah, travel. he's going back to uh, those years when there were restrictions for you American yeah. citizens to go to Cuba, and that's not good. I think it's in the terrible. case of a hurricane, think about the uh, Hurricane Irma, Mother Nature, gave us a unique opportunity to uh, be above all type of differences. Boy, there, and, that's exactly yeah. right. And, and to be human instead it requires, of political. Yeah. Exactly. Political will to say, yes, we're going to overcome our differences and we're going to help the people, right? Support. I remember when the earthquake in Haiti, the Cuban government allowed U.S. airplanes to fly over the Cuban airspace mm -hmm. to get faster to, get to, to Haiti, Haiti and send the relief. And there were Cuban doctors already there. 
working in Haiti for 10 years already. So we didn't have to send doctors to Haiti yeah. because they were already in Haiti yeah. when that happened. Now we're ready to send doctors, medical staff to Puerto Rico and no answer. Like in Katrina, no You're answer. offering, but they're not saying, yes, you can do it. Correct. Okay. That is the what, what, what are you hearing from family and friends in Cuba in the last number of weeks about the impact of that yeah. hurricane on the island? It's awful. Okay. Yeah, tell, it will take what years. It, it will take uh, years, effort, energy, and money to get recovered from Irma hurricane. Uh, the, the hurricanes, what, that hurricane was devastating. And yep. the north shore of Cuba. The north shore, particularly. Special, yeah. Um, the um, tourist infrastructure was very damaged. An airport, uh, coastways, uh, hotels, but crumbling uh, buildings in Havana. That's sure. Really? In Havana, they're in Havana, in, in, impacted as well, yeah. Very badly. You've been to central Havana. Yes, right? sure. So the um, floods were only one block away from my house. Yeah. Wow, very, very really? Bad. I live very close. Yeah. Oh, wow. Big wow. Yeah. Never before. I've never seen any, anything like that before. Yeah. And I've seen many, many, yeah. many yeah. hurricanes. But yeah. It's, it, it was a very bad hurricane. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're we're going to spend a lot of time together in the next yeah. couple of days. Gracias. So welcome to... Uh, United States, but you've already been here for a while, but welcome to Ludlow, Kentucky. We're so glad you came. Yep. Thank you for inviting been, me, for giving uh, me this yeah. opportunity. Absolutely. All right. All right. You know, and you, and you talk to him, and you really wonder, what, what the hell is wrong what with is right? our politicians? Yeah. That just as a human being, you wouldn't say, what do you guys need? Right. We'll debate later. Boy, I'm with Right you. now, what do you need? Yep. And, and th by the way, the same, same thing's going on in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. and Trump doesn't have the excuse there because these are Americans, and now nine days later, we're st starting to send ships down there. Just starting to pay attention. Uh, Situation's even worse, though, because understand what he just said. The Cubans want to send people they want to into help. Puerto Rico, and they're not getting an answer. Right. And we're nine days in. Yeah. So it is, that was Honestly, so well put, that Mother Nature gives us, us an, an opportunity, opportunity to, be to test our humanness. He has failed and, every test at being human, yeah. at being decent, at being caring. He really has. You know, it's, it's so beyond politics. He's, you know, it can't help but be incensed by just his human behavior that you would be absolutely ashamed if your kid ever behaved like that. Yeah. You know, and even now, when, when he's given his talks, it's the only thing he can talk about is whether some officials in Puerto Rico uh, said a nice thing about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, true. He said five times He's mentally that. unstable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, crazy. he really is. It's like... But, you know, <clears throat> let's, for once on a podcast not talk about Donald Trump. Instead, let's talk about Jeff Sessions. How's that? That's it. <laughs> Feel better, Chair? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Attorney General Jeff yeah. Sessions gave a speech the other day, and he talked about uh, the freedom, the, talked about freedom of speech. Yes, he was at Georgetown University. Yeah, talk about that for... And he was invited yeah. to give a speech about free speech. And 
the relevance of this is because on college campuses around the country, um, they're dealing with this free speech issue because college campuses, let's be honest, most of them are pretty liberal. I mean, the fact of the matter is, now this may be my own bias, but if you're going to get a college education in, on most colleges, just because you're studying different cultures, different languages, uh, reading different literature, you're becoming well-rounded. So you're going to wind up being more liberal, less judgmental, less, you know, the world opens up to you. You're 17 years old and you're suddenly going away to college. You learn about the rest of the world. You learn about people of different races and whatever. And, and so the mix is bound to make you more liberal. It's not an accident that the more educated people were in terms of their education, every poll shows they tend to vote Democrat, except when the, the money issue is there. But you're going to be more liberal if you're more educated. And that's, that just happens to be what it is. So the college campuses, and here's where the conservatives have it right, when a conservative speaker tries to get on campus, whether it's Ann Coulter or Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, the, you know, they go out to Berkeley, which is for our generation, the beginning of the whole free speech movement back in 1964. Um, when they go there, sometimes their speeches have to be canceled uh, because the students are protesting and because after a while the campuses have to spend more on security and uh, so it becomes in that sense, a burden on the college campuses. So it is tough sometimes for controversial conservative speakers to speak on a college campus. And that, of course, is an embarrassment to those of us of a liberal philosophy because we're supposed to be the, you know, free speech is everything to us. That's the very first amendment. And uh, so Sessions was giving a speech, which was a very good speech, telling the college students that the First Amendment isn't there to protect speech that we all agree with. Speech we all agree with doesn't need protection because we all agree. So the power of the First Amendment is even, you know, I, I hate what you say, but I'll fight to the death your right to say it. And that's the concept. It's a little ironic that Sessions would give this speech because the other part of the First Amendment, which talks about freedom of religion, and his view on banning Muslims and stuff like that. So there's a lot of hypocrisy in what Sessions was saying, but the speech itself, if you read it, makes good sense. So my question then is, why, why was he speaking to them? Why wasn't he giving this speech to Trump? Sorry, I'm speaking about Trump. But <laughs> two day, no, because two days earlier, three days earlier, is when he went on his rant against the football players that took a knee during the national anthem. And Trump was ripping them. And so the reporters, after the speech, asked Sessions, aren't you being a little bit hypocritical? You're saying all speech should be protected, everyone should have the right to say what they want, and then your own president, he rips an NFL player because he's expressing his point of view. And so Sessions says, well, the president is entitled to his point of view. Whoa, missing the point. Trump isn't just a regular citizen, though how I pray to God every night that he would just be one. He's president of the United States. He represents our government. Like it or not, he represents our government. 
So when the government is taunting a private citizen for peacefully protesting, peacefully expressing his point of view, and by the way, can you even conceive of a more peaceful protest than going down on one knee? I mean, these aren't people rioting. These aren't people running through streets, throwing rocks, burning draft cards, setting cars on fire. This is, they're not even yelling. They're silently going down on one knee. You can't even construct a more peaceful protest than that. No one's asking anyone to agree with their protest. In other words, what their point of view is. You don't have to agree with it. But how can you be an American and get upset with someone who is exercising their constitutional right to protest something about what our government should be doing and isn't doing. That's what our soldiers fight and die for. And Trump isn't just expressing a point of view, but because he represents our government, his comments are a threat of intimidation to do action against a person. In other words, he's not just saying, or I really don't like those guys protesting. Shouldn't have said that, but okay, he can say that. But when he says to the owners, you should fire these people, that is a call to action for them to pay a price for expressing their point of view, a very real price. And if you think that, oh, that's just speech, don't worry, nothing bad will happen, Talk to Colin uh, Kaepernick. He has been blacklisted from the NFL for starting it and taking a knee. So when Trump says to these owners, who, and he's friends with these owners, fire these football players, that's not an idle threat. That is basically saying, if one of those players has a bad game, you've got a good excuse now to just bench him and not continue their contract. Because they've already done it. So this is Trump using the power of the presidency to threaten a citizen from exercising his constitutional right to just make a peaceful point. And we just finished talking to someone from Cuba where we've spent 55 years screaming about a totalitarian government. What? is the difference in at least the wishes when Castro says, we'll shut down the media, we'll shut down anyone who protests against our government. When Castro threatened that, we said, oh my gosh, how can you have a country where people can't be free to express their point of view? How can you have a press that, you know, that gets punished if they criticize the government? And we complain about that in Cuba, and then when we got our own president doing the same thing. Let me give you recent examples. The NFL, I just gave you that example. Jamel Hill, she's the anchor of one of the sports shows on ESPN. She said something on the air calling Trump a white supremacist. Regardless of whether you think that's right or wrong, she said that, clearly controversial, and through um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, she said that it's a fireable offense. The White House is saying she should be fired 
for having said something bad about the president. Oh my gosh, is it, this really is Cuba. Well, first of all, ESPN is a private company. They can make a decision, being a private company, whether they want to have that as their anchor or not, you know. And, you know, they can discipline it. That's not up to the president of the United States telling a private company that they should fire someone because that person said something bad about the president. This is really serious stuff, folks. It's, it's every day. It's just a little bit. And every little bit of this that happens never seems enough to put it over the edge. So we say, oh, that's just Trump. That's, you know, we're used to that. You can't get used to it. Every day it's something else. So the NFL, Jamel Hill with ESPN, he has called the media the enemy of the American people. What dictator doesn't say that the media is the enemy of our country? Whether it was in the days of the Soviet Union, whether it was Gaddafi, um, you know, whichever dictator you want to come up with, if you argue against the state, you're the enemy of the state. CNN, they criticize him. Ah, that's fake news. Try to ruin their business. Try to say they're fake. Your ratings are going down. Keep harassing it so all these Trump voters will stop watching CNN. This is an abuse of the power he has. And we've all seen it when he has these mass rallies. He encourages the crowd to start taunting the reporters in the back. Katie Turr, she just uh, wrote her book. Uh, what was it? Unbelievable or whatever. It's Katie Turr's book. She's a reporter for MSNBC and covered the Trump campaign. And he got the crowd to start taunting her. And she talks about how scary it was. You're in the middle of 20,000 people screaming your name and looking at you and pointing fingers at you. That's pretty scary. This is what this guy is doing. It's not, oh, no, there goes Trump. It's not a, that he's a buffoon. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to our democracy. And just think about that. The same behavior exists in Cuba, and by gosh, we'll be damned if we trade with Cuba or help Cuba or take Cuba's help because they have a dictatorship there. They don't have freedom of speech. Well, be careful when your freedoms, our freedoms, get chipped away one day at a time, one announcer at a time, one football player at a time. Thank you, thank you. And coming up here, we do have Chelsea Ford and The Trouble. Welcome, guys. All right, so you guys are husband and wife duo, and we've got uh, Matt Crone as well, is that correct? Yeah. Well, welcome. We're very excited to have you guys on. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you get together? How long have you been playing together? Uh, we've been playing together about two months. Two months. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> um, I started playing instruments about four years ago, and my husband John, um, on guitar here, has been really uh, instrumental in pushing me to write and to get out there and, you know. How are you getting along with you? How are you getting along with your husband? <laughs> we get along. Oh great. no, that's the other show. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I lost. I, I forgot where I was. Annie forgot again. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, we we do everything together, so yeah. we uh, yeah. And then we've known Matt Crone for a long time, and 
uh, we thought it was time to make a two-piece a three-piece. and uh, Very cool. And he's great. So he usually plays electric bass, and he learned upright just for us, So and he's killing it. So. Well, heck yeah. Good. Well, your first song of the night is Kind-Hearted Woman. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Well, let's hear it. We'll talk some more afterwards. I'm a kind-hearted woman, the kind you ought to treat right. Even kind-hearted women, they know how to fight. So if you start stepping out with some other less, this kind-hearted Right. 
topic of your show than we thought, yes. Jer. Yeah. She could be on your right show. Right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. And also, thank you for pushing her into this because that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I agree. Very, that was very great. cool. Two months. That's yeah. wow. That's really, really cool. Super. So where can we hear some more of your music? I know you guys don't have an album out yet. Oh, well, um, tomorrow we're going to be playing at the Crow's Nest uh, oh, for the Artists oh, in yeah. Residence. Yeah. Um, and, then, and we'll actually be with um, my husband John's other band, with him and his brother, yeah. uh, Warwick and Lowell. So that'll be fun. And a couple other guests. And then um, we have the Artists in Residence at Southgate House in December. Very cool. And these are all Cincinnati, Cincinnati. area yeah. places. Do you right? have a website? Uh, we're on Facebook, Facebook? Chelsea and the Trouble. And we do have a YouTube channel with uh, several videos from cool. a festival we played in July. So. Yeah. Okay, and so that's Super. Facebook and YouTube. And that's yeah. Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A, yeah. correct? All right, Chelsea Ford and the Trouble. All right, well, you've got another song for us. This one is Old and Blue. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. So Chelsea, Jonathan, and Matt, thank you so much. Again, thank check you. them out on Facebook at Chelsea Ford and the Trouble. And we're going to ask you to sing with Jerry, and we apologize in advance. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this could be, but you did it for two months, two so months. there you go. It was a good run. It couldn't last forever. <laughs> it was a pretty solid run what there. The we're sorry, yeah, guys. Nice run, though. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, it was absolutely a pleasure listening to you guys. We can't wait for your album to come out. We're looking, for, we're looking forward to that. So, yeah, if you would take you so us out much. on a down by the riverside and give Jerry some room to sing. <laughs> it's a room. <laughs> 
Jazz tunes and tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside.